Do you know what people see when they Google you? Search engines don't always get it right. And when they're wrong, it's your reputation on the line. So what do you do when you don't agree with your search results? Call Reputation Defender at 855-432-4905. Reputation Defender is one of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. We have over a decade of experience in fixing people's search results, and we can help you too. Using cutting-edge approaches, Reputation Defender pushes unflattering information down to lower pages of your search results, where few people ever look. We also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, letting you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. You owe it to yourself to take control with Reputation Defender. Visit www.reputationdefender.com or call 855-432-4905 for free advice on your situation. That's 855-432-4905. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon. Wow. See what happens when you take a nap in the middle of the day? Sorry, let me move the microphone a little closer to me. See what happens when you take a nap in the middle of the day? You just get all discombobulated with time and place and all that stuff, all that good stuff. This is Jim the Good, uh, the the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. While we're being... Approached by Tropical Storm, Fred. You know, Fred. Uh, you know, some names can inspire fear and stuff like that. Fred doesn't, but it, it's kind of right currently it's skirting the northern part of Cuba and heading towards uh, the Keys. So we're about. At the current speed, about 10 hours away, a little after midnight, maybe 2 a.m. It's going to be heading off the coast, probably strengthening to a tropical storm. I think it's a depression now, but we're going to get a lot of rain. And that means this weekend, generally what happens when there's a storm like this, we don't get, uh, there's people that come down here and they continue with their plans. And there's people that can't, a lot of people cancel. Uh, the people have options that we're driving down here, like the, we're going to lose our weekend crowd because they won't be able to go out on the water. Who's, who's going to go out on the water when there's a tropical storm coming in? But it'll be sort of like that. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. But uh, it will be bad for these outdoor venues. You get a lot of wind and rain. People just aren't keen to that. It's really not fun to go and dine in that stuff. So, as a bartender at an inside venue, the Catch Restaurant at Mile Marker 102 in Key Largo, it's a boon for us. We normally have a decent weekend. I won't say it'd be a great weekend, but we'll get the locals that 
don't go out on the water, don't go fishing, don't do things outside. We'll get people that are in, in the hotels across the street. And they'll come and hang out. Because it's a fun place. We're a restaurant and a pub. We can hang out and drink. And I'm not a I'm a non-drinking guy, but you know, I do serve drinks. Should be fun. We should have a decent weekend. I'm looking forward to it. We're getting, uh, we have a couple new employees come in. That'll be fun. You know, thickening up the uh, the employee pool at the Catch Restaurant. We have uh, my co-worker, Molly, the owner's, one of the owner's daughter. We've been working. She'll be going back to college in a week. And she will be missed. Uh, it's fun working with her. Molly was my bud. So... You know, it's it's going to be an adjustment. We're going to get some new people in there. Schedule's changing around a little. Going into season, going into, hopefully, it's the, it's the peak season for hurricanes. It's the, it's the peak. That's just the way it is. And we're going to be keeping a, one eye out for them. And this is our first real go at it, Fred. And then we'll probably have a couple other close calls looking for it. This one, if it was an intense hurricane, we would probably be eyeing our exit. We would have been gone already. Yeah, 10 hours. We would have been on the road. As not to be caught in unawares. It's moving at a good clip around 20 miles per hour. So it's 270 miles away. So that's, uh, well, 250 miles away, which is about... A good 12 hours uh, travel time if it doesn't slow down or speed up. 20 miles per hour moving is pretty fast for a storm system. But that's enough about that. Uh, yeah, I wonder what kind of drinks the people are going to be drinking this weekend. A lot of beer. A lot of uh, maybe a hurricane or two. Margaritas. Things like that. I saw a map of the United States where they showed the most popular drink by state. And I think Pina Colada was Florida. You know, you think it would be more of a rum drink down here. But uh, I, they are rum drinks. But I, they're all spread out. They probably picked the most popular one in itself. So they got margarita, Pina Colada, Long Island iced tea, which a lot of my fellow fellow bartenders call it a garbage drink for garbage people. They really take it personally when some people order a Long Island iced tea. And some people really judge people by the drinks that they order. It's kind of funny, right? I used to drink a gimlet so often or bourbon straight and, and neat. And you could tell when someone drinks... The kind of bourbon I did at the frequency they did neat. Actually, years ago, I drank it on the rocks. But I also have a beer with me. A beer and a bourbon. Beer. And a, I should have known that was a problem then. But that's neither here nor there now since I am. That's in my rearview mirror drinking. I live in the Florida Keys, though. 
33037. How many people really don't appreciate where they live? And they kind of remind themselves. They say, they, oh, well, we live in paradise. You know, we live in paradise. We have to be. Well, I mean, we do live. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice down here. It's, it's gorgeous. But there's a lot of other nice places in the world, in the United States proper, and in the world in general. Gorgeous places. There's mountains. There's beaches. There's rivers. There's deserts, high deserts. Um, all but wonderful cities, beautiful cities, landscapes. Wonderful places to live. And human nature at it as it is, and I was eventually going to segue it into my daughter starting her time in high school. Human nature, the way, way it is, it just seems that you really don't appreciate... I'm going to start off with the place you live. No one... If, if There are some bad places in the world. There are some bad places. Like Afghanistan is a bad place right now. Uh, Sudan. I imagine Sudan's pretty... Ethiopia, they're in the middle of a civil war there. Eritrea, Somalia... I'm picking them. Some Southeast Asia. Uh, Greece right now with all the wildfires it's having. Some horrible places to live at the moment. As a matter of fact, this could be a horrible place where I live in. My my zip code, 33037, for the Upper Keys, Key Largo in particular, could be a horrible place to live when a hurricane's coming through. It's horrible. I mean, it, a lot of people have been through it, but there's nothing like having, it's like a a train going over your head for however long it goes, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. It's just incredible. I mean, some, depending on the shelter you're in. And I went through here, I guess, a tropical storm slash hurricane last year with the family because it it, it wasn't, quite up to speed. It was just right at that bottom part of the Category 1, which with the um, storm shutters is fine. I can get through that, stuff like that. And also there's there's tornadoes that put them off. But at that time, it is one of the worst places to live. Now, there's places that are always that way, going through civil war, drought, and things like that, forest fight, parts of California when there's wildfires going on. It's just horrible. But human nature as it is, you don't really notice when you live in a place. You get kind of numb, occultured. I guess it's called acculturalization or normalization of the things around you. Like when I was visiting Zacopano, you go and see people not looking up at the mountains and not appreciating the view, not appreciating the clean surroundings and all that stuff and the fresh air. But, you know, they're just working and they're, they got that mundane look about them. And I guess you get that down in the Keys, as you would in a place like Warsaw, New York, Honolulu. You just don't appreciate the place you live. And a lot of times when you're, your life's boring, you start thinking, well, I'd like to move someplace. And you think because you had a good time vacationing someplace, that's the place for you to be. 
I, on the other hand, I don't dissuade people from moving, but location changes usually usually don't work. A location change, you got to get a mindset. You have to have a mindset change first. That's the thing that's going to really help you. But a location change, you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy for a little while, and then you're going to realize, wait a second, I still have my own attitude, and I still have my same husband, and I still have the same type of job I have, and I got my thoughts. And that's the thing where if you can change your mind, you can start thinking about how beautiful it is where you are. I mean, there's people that, I come from Philadelphia, and there's people saying, are you glad to get out of there? Are you glad to get out of that place? Like it was a shithole? It's not a shithole. There's, sure, it's a big city, just like Miami is. Some people love Miami. There's some bad places in, in Miami. There's some bad places, very depressed areas, poor areas, where there's high crime, crime rates. Same as in Philadelphia. But there's also beautiful places where a lot of places to go, see, things to do, food to eat. So we, we really don't appreciate. It's, it's, you could live in Asheville, North Carolina, Honolulu, Hawaii, Nova Scotia, Paris, Zakopana, Berlin. Let's pick a couple other. Buenos Aires, Machu Picchu. I mean, you could change, if you just, if you're unhappy there, what makes you think you'd be unhappy someplace? Now, sometimes you got to get away from your unhappiness. Like the people in Central America that are in Guatemala or Honduras, where you have, you know, gangs running the country and things like that. So you want to maybe get your family out of there. Understandable. That is directly attributable to that. But most places in the United States are decent. Are decent places to live. And all you need to do to really appreciate it is to change your outlook. I believe. That's the way I think. And there's always something else you may think is better. There's better scenery, better restaurants, better roads, better nightlife, better shopping. Just... There's all different aspects. Like if you if you are a shopaholic, it may suck to be a person that likes to go and touch things. It may suck to live in rural Idaho. No place to go. You may need that sensory thing. How would you know if you live there? But that's But it struck me when this past Wednesday, when we went to the open house of my daughter's school for orientation. You know, you, they do a walkthrough of the classes. They give you a schedule to show you where your classes is, if you have a locker, where your locker is, where you get your bus and all that stuff and where the cafeteria is. So, you know, the first day you go, you're not running around like the proverbial chicken with its head cut off or the person with their head up their ass, I guess. That's the best way to say it. But I thought the school was an, uh, magnificent. It was a magnificent school. Now, I didn't say perfect, but it was a magnificent school. you got to picture this. And maybe I, I could post some pictures. But it's Coral Shores High School in Tavernier, Florida. It serves the Upper Keys. Everything from uh, Upper Matacoon Bay or Lower Matacoon Bay to uh, Ocean Reef. It covers 
gosh, almost 50 miles of the Keys. You know, about 20, 20 something miles south and uh, 25, 30 miles north. So it's a lot of ground because you know we're long and skinny. But I'll tell you, you go there, it's, it's what is it, a, a class uh, big anime, maybe, maybe 2,000 kids. Maybe 2,000 kids, maybe not. Maybe 2,000 kids there. I may be going a little too big. It could be 1,600 kids. But whatever. So, it's like on the outside when you look at it, it looks like a high school. You got the facade on the front. You got the you know high school thing. And you can't tell until you go inside that it's an open plan for the hallways. And they have a courtyard where the hallways are open to, and a big courtyard with a couple trees, uh, benches, and, and, and picnic tables for people to sit in and to mingle. And it's just, I wouldn't call it idyllic, but it is close to that. I went there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at the big monitors they use for, instead of chalkboards nowadays, if you haven't been in the classroom in a while, a lot of these teachers just, you know, they hook up, they do the lesson plans, which is, Christ, I would have thought of becoming a... One of the things that I did not want to be a history teacher was because I, I couldn't do the chalkboard. Or, you know, world, world cultures or geography or something like that. I, I couldn't do... I couldn't write on a chalkboard. I'm left-handed. I always kind of, you know, smear the chalk or something like that. You got shitty handwriting from being left-handed and... You know, I'm tall enough, I can use the whole board, no problem. But then again, wait a second, I'd have a problem with the lower part. I always had a problem with the lower part of the board, but I was good with the high. But the handwriting just sucks. But with the computer, you just type this stuff in, you bring up your notes, you pop them in, you come up when you need them, you can leave them as long as you like, you can go back to it, you can hand out, you can print it out, you can send the notes to someone if you want. I mean, I was an avid note-taker in school, and I did well. I did well in those classes because I always kind of was good at zoning in on important information. But the, the technology they have, the way they lay out the classes because of the technology, I think that's part of it. It's, it's just, and, and I went, when I went to high school, it was... Close to 40 students per class. I think here they do more like 20, 25. And it's just, I just, I'm looking at it, it seemed like a really great place to go to school. In the back, they got this beautiful athletic field. Like a lot of places, but abutting the field, right next to the field, it overlooks the Atlantic Ocean. I'm that shit like you see on the Pacific. But if you look like right over at one, one side of the field, one side of the field, there's the Atlantic Ocean. Now, if you remember me telling you this stuff, there's virtually no natural beaches in the Keys. So that's one of the things they don't have. You know, can't run to the beach for the day if you want to ditch school. But you're pretty much there. Like in California, make a big thing. Oh, beach day, we're going to leave early and go to the beach. Or you're going to school at the beach. 
practically. All you have to do is walk over, you know, lean over the fence, and then you go, there's the Atlantic Ocean. So, I remember when I went to Catholic boys' school in Philadelphia. It was uh, 2,000 boys, 2,000 girls, separated in the middle by one of the accordion metal fences in the hallway. They came separated like we're crazy rabbits that want to go over there and, you know, get all the girls in trouble, which they got in trouble anyway a lot of times. Catholic schools usually had a very high rate of teen pregnancies because the one thing, they taught a lot at Catholic school. They taught a lot. They didn't teach anything about birth control, though. And not much about reproduction, or human reproduction uh, health. Yep, it's really important. You know, it's a shame. I, I don't recall one time getting any information that was pertinent to uh, how people got pregnant and all that stuff. You kind of knew. You knew all of your smart. You find you you know you usually knew by the time you were like eleven years old, ten years old, how that happened. Not the particulars, maybe, but you kind of knew what did what and how it happened. But I didn't want to get there. I want to get to my school. My school was more looked. It was a nice high school. It was clean. More of a traditional high school. It was built in 1970, but it was built in 1970, uh, 69-70 in Philadelphia as a Catholic school. Now, I went to another school that was built in the 1970s in Merlin. It was a middle school, two middle schools and one high school put together. And they used very avant-garde agri- uh, architectural design concepts there were just open floor plans for the the rooms they had big artificial artificial walls they had big movable walls between classes none of the classes had more than 20 kids i think they were like they could have been 15 kids i remember the class side was so small this was in maryland so i guess it was one of those concept schools it was called old mill middle north there was an Old Mill Middle South, and that was the middle school, and they had Old Mill High School, and I guess they put them all in there. And they all shared, we all shared one auditorium. Though I never saw anybody from one of the other schools. I don't recall. I was only there for like maybe a half a year, if that. But I don't recall ever seeing it. was a nice school. They had a really great cafeteria, um, a carpeted floor in a cafeteria, which is really unusual, uh, round tables. And I think they had it. Most kids, they may have had like 80 kids show up in the cafeteria at one time for the middle schools. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, so, I mean, they may have had different cafeterias for different age kids. And they used to have pretty good meals there. And then they had an alternative meal with not, not as healthy. Now go for, flash forward to the, another school that was built in the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s. 
Archbishop Ryan High School for Boys and Girls. But then a second, it just looked like a big old, let's say 19, it was built on the concept of schools going back from the to the 40s, I guess. There, it was, it looks as if, that looks like an institution. And it looks like they use the same architect that would build a state psychiatric facility, would build a High school for kids. I mean, I went to elementary school, and the elementary school was built like probably in 19, 1920s, 1930s. That that was like Catholic, the Catholic elementary schools, and then and and the public, the other public schools were built at the turn of the century. Uh, there, they, they're just ominous looking, but they were kind of quaint too. So, but the high school I went to, you went to, you got the long hallways. Got the room and seats up to forty. You got the chalkboard in the front, desk, tables, and one side is the hallway, and the other side is windows facing out. And that was it, all the way around the building, all the classrooms, three floors, two thousand kids on each side, four thousand kids all together. Um, and then when the bell rang, you you know, running up to wherever your locker is. Yeah, lockers aren't, you know, see, every kid doesn't have a locker anymore. And the lockers are half the size they were before. I guess because they have their own Chromebooks and things like that. You can keep all, a lot of your notes on that. I mean, you got your your notebooks, your folder, and you got your books. And you really don't need books anymore, do you? If you got a Chromebook, you can do the reading on there. Why don't they just down... Why they use paper still for that, I have no idea. What the fuck, you know? But uh, that's one thing they didn't get rid of. Now, we used to have, obviously, the computer lab in the high school I went to. 2,000 boys, nonetheless. I think if they had two computers, there were two, I guess, IBM clones, or they could have been Commodores, or something like that, and the shit you did on it was pretty much like the shit they were doing on them in the 1960s. It wasn't exciting. It was hard to really get people excited because computer programming was a an art or a deep deep science back then. Where are you going to say, I didn't, I didn't see... You, they, we, when it comes to computer games, in 1980, you had Pong. I think Pac-Man came out, maybe. Uh, maybe a little later, Pac-Man. But before that, it was Gunfighter, Pong. A couple other games that were coming. The graphics were pretty shitty. And they people weren't really excited. There wasn't tons, tons of jobs, but there were jobs. They knew that was going to be the way to the future. They didn't know everyone was going to have 1979, 1980. You didn't know it was going to be, everyone was going to have a computer. It was only like two, three years later, 1983, where the incoming class of my college, I was at Drexel University, had every freshman had a uh, Macintosh. 
And it was mainly a big word processor. That's all it was. And they were getting people comfortable with it. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, you, you're going to go to work. A lot of them are engineers. They're, they're, they were going to be using them, moving along. But the people that were studying then, the, the computers they were studying with and using then aren't the computers that they were going to use 20 years later, 25, 30 years later. All laptops and shit like that. Everyone has their laptop now. And you got your printers. You still have the printers. You still have the printers. But uh, I loved my school. I came from public school. And I'm not that... uh, Not the school that I was talking about, Old Mill. I had spent my last couple months in a public school in Philadelphia. And it was a Benjamin Rush Middle School in a far northeastern part of the city, right on the border of the city in Bucks County. And that school looked like a prison. It, it, it had no windows. It was brick facade all the way around. And it looked like a detention center. Matter of fact, it looked pretty ominous. Just you had a bunch of concrete all around it. And behind it, it had the track. We had sports. Uh, I was on the, I, I, I ran track in the middle school, but it was at the bottom of a steep hill. And yeah, that was a dark school. I mean, it was a fluorescent lit, no light from the outside school. It was, it was okay. I didn't do so hot in that. I don't know how I did so well in high school because that school wasn't so hot. But I didn't appreciate that school that much. Probably there wasn't a lot of, Appreciate. I went to school. When I was what was it, thirteen years old. At thirteen, no, it's uh, seventy-six, seventy-seven. So it was, yeah, thir- fourteen. My last year because I was a year behind. Seventy-eight. Yeah, I was fourteen, and then, boy, I didn't do well in math there. I guess, but I was fourteen years old, and it seemed like I went to the, some of the. It was eighth grade. Most of the kids were 13, so I should have been a year older. But there were people three years older than me. There were guys that drove to school. It was only the eighth grade. It wasn't like a junior high thing. And, yeah, they they were, I guess they were angry guys because they can't, couldn't be in high school. I don't know if they ever graduated high school. Who knows? They may have been happy where they were. But... What I was talking about is like, I really appreciated the school I went to. When I came out of Benjamin Rush School with no windows and stuff, and I went to Archbishop Ryan, a place that looked like maybe a psychiatric institution with some nice, huge grounds that had really big grounds on it. Oh, they're they're back already. Oh, I'm going to be finishing up soon. There's my daughter. How was your second day of school? It was good. Yeah? Okay. It was huge grounds. Did you eat in the cafeteria? Yeah. Okay. So we had these huge grounds at the high school. And I didn't fully appreciate that until I saw the other schools people went to, the smaller schools they went to, and the different activities they had and what they had available. So when I hear people say, I wish I didn't like my high school, I don't like my grade school, I think, wow. 
you know, there's places all around the world that they, they'd be fortunate in places like Kenya or uh, South America. They got these one-room schoolhouses that kids are enthusiastic about attending to. And they still have outhouses. And, you know, they show up and they got to walk miles to get to their school. And it's a privilege for them to be able to attend school. Here, not so much. You don't see that too much. But I think you really do have to appreciate what you have and what, where you are and what you got. It does help in the long run with your attitude. Um, I'd like to thank you for listening. This is going to be a short one today. I, I have to get ready for work. I'm looking forward, like I said, I'm looking for a good weekend. I'd like to thank you for listening. If you do like the show, please share it with your friends and family. I'd like to thank all you listeners especially for your intrepid listeners in Saudi Arabia. Um, probably, you're probably expats listen to the show. Or if you're trying to learn English, I try to be more appropriate. I'll send out a little hello to you. I'll do that trill. That's kind of Saudi Arabian. Uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Keys Bartender. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Freedom is a feeling, and the best way to truly feel free is behind the wheel of a Jeep SUV. Find out what true freedom feels like at Jeep Freedom Days. And now, financing at $2,500 total cash allowance on the purchase of a 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee WK Laredo 4x4. Don't miss this great offer. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Must take retail delivery by 531-22. Jeep is a registered trademark.